Welcome to their Sumter About It. I'm Assemblywoman Shavonda Sumter, a New Jersey State Representative. Straight talk about things you care about today in real time with real friends. Today, we're talking about education fatigue. How do we get over it or are we? With my friend who is a mom and professional, Melissa O'DJ Perkins. In this episode, we take a deep dive into the impact on our students and parents with education fatigue, even post-pandemic. Joining me is my friend, Melissa Odije Perkins, a mom, a wife, and a licensed clinical social worker. Now it's time to welcome Melissa to their some tour about it. Welcome, Melissa. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's super exciting, and it's happy to see you. It's been a while, but it- we've been talking. It has been too long. We've been phone buddies. <laughs> yes. In a pandemic, uh, with over 20 years having worked together in healthcare systems. Absolutely. And definitely staying in touch and supporting one another during a really difficult time for everyone, everyone that's been alive during this time. Absolutely. And for those of us making it on the other side, uh, you and I talked about, you know, just the stressors of being a mom, uh, mm-hmm. worried about your kids. How long have you been married now? I've been married 15 years. Wow, 15 years. Just think I knew you before marriage and before kids. How old are the kids? The kids are, my daughter is nine years old and my son is seven now. So we got a second grader and a fourth grader. Ooh, we fun times, fun times. <laughs> if that's what you want to call it. <laughs> so, so share with us a little bit about at the height of the pandemic, uh, you're in healthcare, was mm-hmm. working in a hospital, and still had to worry about uh, making sure your children were educated, your family was safe during this time. How'd you manage? Oh, I can I can definitely tell you it was um, operating on autopilot. Um, like you said, I was in a hospital setting, um, in a COVID hospital. At that time, the hospital was 100% COVID. Um, on a unit with my peers, my nursing peers, my medical peers. And so when you're at work in that type of setting, you're definitely focused on the job um, simply because you can't get distracted in order to support and produce outcomes, whatever the needs are. Um, but definitely situating a household in order to make sure my kids are able to log on, my kids have the computer, they're in separate rooms. We had to be flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was the key to transitioning with homeschooling um, and just, you know, placing onus on my kids to be flexible. So flexibility, that's a word. Um, I always like to say, be like the bamboo, you know, bend, but don't break. Bend, but don't break. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So you're in a tense environment and we know what that was like um, because I was also there Mm -hmm. uh, where, you know, our behavioral health units, you know, were being converted into COVID units, uh, supporting our nurses and our friends through um, the mental health fatigue yes. um, of working every day, wondering if they were bringing something home to the family. So now you get home. Mm-hmm. You got to play mom, play teacher, mm-hmm. review schoolwork to make sure yep. it was done. Yep. Uh, so your kids were pretty independent, I take it. No, they had to become independent. Mm. And I have to be very transparent. Um, when working in the hospital during COVID, the first thing I did was email the teachers to say, hey, I'm a hospital worker, real time in COVID, assignments may be late. Please 
help me accommodate my kids, you know? And it's not to say that assignments were always late, but I needed to let them know that I wasn't at home working. Right. Um, I needed to let them know that, you know, my kids are having to deal with other elements that are unique to hospital workers. So, yes, we did the mom thing with flexibility. If something was due that week, we did it on the weekend if we had to. Gotcha. And I found that the teachers were very supportive in that way. Awesome. Awesome. So communicate, communicate, communicate. Is that part of the skill of being a licensed clinical social worker? That is a skill because if you don't communicate what your needs are, if you don't communicate what changes are going on in your environment that are impacting your children, then other people don't know how they need to modify how they respond to you. So I think it was very clear from the beginning that we are operating with a different headset. Absolutely. And then how did you deal with the uh, children and their isolation from their peers? Because they, they're young. Yes. They're young. And now they're independently learning at home in different spaces all day. Yes. Uh, four walls. Right. No yes. recess and not looking at their, their other peers to make jokes with. Correct. So essentially, in terms of when I did come home, this I, I definitely realized how important and how it shifted on me and my husband to be more engaged with them, mm. you know? And I and I think that's definitely what came out of this experience, that when we were home together, we spent more time playing board games. Okay. We spent more time reading um, just because they needed interaction. Right, right. They needed interaction. They needed entertainment. And no one was going to the movies. Um, no one was going on play dates. Right. So it became a shift in the relationship with them. Um, in being more present as far as their entertainment, their engagement, their socialization. So tell me, what was the favorite board game of the house? The favorite board game of the house is Sorry. Oh. My my kids um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> are very competitive when it came to Sorry. Okay. They counted those those blocks. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so and that what was the favorite color piece for each of them? My daughter was red. Okay. Um, my son was green, okay. if I'm not mistaken. Gotcha. And I was yellow. Okay. Um, but definitely, you know, I just found that we just had to be more engaged. My husband became a baker Ooh, with my daughter. Fun. That was not my domain. Okay. Um, they baked cakes. They baked cookies. They baked cupcakes. You know, and everybody was happy in great. that regard. Great, great. And, you know, for us, Monopoly was our game because our son was actually studying a Broad oh, wow. uh, during the pandemic, we had to rush him home from South Africa. Experience of a lifetime, uh, and he was pretty mad at us over this pandemic, as if we created it. Yes, yes. <laughs> like, how dare you bring me home? How dare to you safety. bring me? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Could not live on campus, um, so we really had to reconnect with a twenty-plus-year-old mm-hmm. um, who really, you know, was technology savvy. Prior to the pandemic, he was on his phone over fifteen hours. Uh, towards the end of the pandemic. It reduced. Uh, and I was proud of that fact because I'm like, you got to talk to us. You got to engage with us. But you're 20. Right. Right. So right. how do we connect? So our game had become Monopoly. OK. And, uh, you know, we still like money and property. Right. <laughs> Utilities <laughs> is still the way to move. <laughs> Absolutely. Build your estate. That's your it. estate planning. That's it. That's Absolutely. It. Uh, and our daughter would come home because she was in Albany. Um, as well in quarantine home, uh, worked as a forensic counselor in a hospital uh, in upstate New York uh, and was doing uh, telehealth uh, to stay connected Mm -hmm. with her clients. Uh, And in fact, I had to pivot our programs to telehealth because we have the outpatient programs. We didn't want the patients destabilized. um, And we wanted to make sure they had access. Uh, How do you find or how did you find that 
professional transition from being face-to-face mm-hmm. with a patient uh, to moving to remote services with them. Okay. Well, I, I had a two-prong responsibility. Mm. So working in the hospital, I was never telehealth. Okay. I was on the units with the patients, providing family support on the phone, um, as they would call, providing a lot of support to my colleagues um, face-to-face in person. And then on the clinical side, in terms of transitioning to telehealth for psychotherapy, really was a shift, but what it provided was a consistency for people who were in isolation. Um, It provided a relationship that many clients relied on to process the anxiety and the fears associated to what was going on in the pandemic. Um, So I had the benefit of having both experiences, remaining face-to-face and also providing the clinical telehealth services. Awesome, awesome. And and let's just, you know, talk a little bit about the families. Um, That point was lost. We went to a point where families could not visit. Mm. So the hospital staff, uh, direct care workers really became the extension of the families, mm-hmm. um, communicating uh, how a patient was doing uh, mm-hmm. to the family. So in some regards, uh, it was a better system of mm-hmm. care, mm-hmm. if you will, for the totality of the patient and the family. Um, but how did you manage that pivot to really being more than just a list plan discharges, mm-hmm. right, and make sure your aftercare is set up to, okay, here's the status, here's what's happening, here's what we're doing? Mm-hmm. So essentially, in terms of the clinical updates, uh, the system that I worked in definitely created support in that way. So they had a designated clinical person, meaning a nurse, um, to provide clinical updates on the progress of the patient, right? Um, And then as, you know, the clinical social worker, providing that support of reassurance of, yes, they are being attended to. Yes, someone has been in the room. Um, And also providing a lot of support for my colleagues. You know, um, my colleagues are moms, are dads, have families, were struggling with themselves, their family members being sick. Um, So just providing that support as well. So the pivot was really an extension of what we do as social workers, right? Kind of assess what the environment is, assess what the needs are, and plug in the holes by the reassurance that let's let's focus, let's let's refocus and challenge what we're fearing versus what we have available to us. Um, So it was an honor to do that, um, especially when people lean on you to kind of keep their momentum going. So it was definitely a privilege to be among them. I want to switch to a little bit about um, the other parts of you mm. and, and what you do. Um, I know that I've called on you throughout the years um, of our relationship to support professionals and friends mm-hmm. uh, who may be struggling in careers with family, uh, relationship changes, kid transitions, um, in private practice, mm-hmm. uh, to seek out therapy, uh, that it's okay, because mm-hmm. uh, there was a time when it was a stigma. Uh, but if you go out to California, everyone has a therapist, and that's in vogue, mm-hmm. right? It's the badge of honor. It is a badge of honor. Um, but how how did you manage your private practice? Did you find that it increased uh, mm-hmm. during the pandemic, and you made time for uh, those patients that you were seeing privately as well? Oh, I definitely saw an increase. Um, one would say that my days were extremely long um, just to accommodate the needs of people that needed to process. Um, definitely an increase with individuals professionally who had significant responsibilities with their role. And 
not feeling 100% in, right. in their confidence in being able to execute because they were dealing with home situations and their own fears about what would happen during the pandemic. So I think the increase in psychotherapy is going to be consistent moving forward um, simply because I think people are now processing what am I able to do, what am I willing to do, and what have I done that has not worked for me? Um, so you right. will see that need for a sounding board just moving forward. And and how do you, you know, best help people work through some of those coping skills? I mean, I, I'm giving you a big plug here. Okay. So <laughs> I, I best help people by processing what relates to them. Okay. And I say that meaning we live in a world where everything goes. Everyone has a platform, um, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, everyone has an opinion, good, bad, or indifferent. But yet individuals are struggling within their lives and have to take a step back to be true to themselves right. about what they want, what they have available to them, what they can and can't do. So when I work with people, it's really, all right, let's shut out the noise. Because mm -hmm. the, the noise is really mainstream. You know, if you're someone who says, oh, no, I don't have uh, a social media platform or, oh, no, I don't uh, post on this or that. People are like, oh, you don't? How, how don't you? <laughs> right. right. So, you know, the whole idea of developing a minimalist type of lifestyle when it comes to who has access to you, what has access to you and what you want to integrate in your daily life. Mm. And recognizing you have a choice. There you go. There's power. There is control. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and those day to days where um, I did find pre-pandemic, we felt that uh, we didn't have control. We had to go, go, go. go, go, go. And, and you knew my lifestyle. I was moving fast. Um, but slowing down in a pandemic, breathing, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. actually enjoying my husband of 24 years. Like, I like you. you. Uh -huh. <laughs> can, can we have coffee every day? Right, right. right, right. We can have dinner together. Wow. Right, yeah. right, right. It's okay with me. You're all right. I did well. I chose well. Yes, yes. <laughs> check. Right, check. <laughs> yeah, no. And and I can speak for myself. Mm -hmm. um, just professionally pivoting. Um Going at 150 miles an hour during the pandemic because that was needed, right. um, especially being in, in a medical setting with um, your friends, your coworkers, um, and just needing to keep up to be part of a solid team, that required everybody yes. to operate at 150 miles an hour with really not a clarity about what's going on. Um, but, you know, as we slow down with the pandemic, you know, I've realized that you have choices, mm. right? Yes. And And sometimes slowing down in whatever capacity or minimizing what you say yes to or where you spend your time for the day or for the hour gives you a sense of recharge. Sure. Um, and I think that people have realized I don't need to do everything all the time. Um, I am tired. Right, right. Right? Mm -hmm. I, I, so, <laughs> so, you know, if I bow out gracefully to this commitment or this engagement, it's okay because like you said, you know, mental health has become the badge of honor. I think it's created an environment where we realize that that part of our being, our mental stability is very, very important. Absolutely. And how do we self-preserve? Right. So it's the power of no. Power of no. Right. And and it's no thank it's, you. It's a full sentence. Right. No thank you. <laughs> so at the pleasantries that our parents taught us. Right, right, right. Thank you at the end. 
and, and stick to it. And stick to it. Right. And be okay with it. And, you know, I also think that people, just in terms of work environment, mm-hmm. have realized that they don't have to work so much. Right. Ooh, we, we, we have we have responsibilities. We all do. Sure. We need to do what we need to do to meet our responsibilities. But are there ways that we can modify our decisions mm-hmm. so we don't have so many responsibilities? Right. Is there a way to modify our time so that we're not always outside of ourselves mm-hmm. versus staying connected to ourselves? Right. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so I'm an advocate for self-preservation. Awesome. Awesome. And and then, you know, the other piece of this is looking at um, how people view access to mental health, mm-hmm. right? You, you got them, for those of us who are fortunate, have insurance cards, and on the back is a nice little small number to call for mental health help. Mm-hmm. There's also a nice thing called uh, Google and all the other search engines where you can put in counselor and everything pops up. Do you have any uh, opinion or evaluation on whether the online counseling or coaching uh, is an option as opposed to seeking out a licensed clinical social worker? Like at what point do you right. should you seek what? OK, so my understanding about coaching um, is that. You are certified in a training, right, certification, classes, or what Mm -hmm. have you. Um, And coaching um, is really a narrow view of reaching a goal. So my understanding of coaching is that it's a change in your behavior to reach a goal. So, you know, you need a coach to get you motivated to start a business, right? So what are the steps of starting a business? Or a coach um, to get you focused on meeting um, a weight loss goal or a specific narrow goal. Whereas mental health services um, is really more of a large holistic approach from someone who's been licensed education-wise, you know, not a a certification, but an Mm -hmm. education which requires licensure and testing um, to be more of a healing process. So those are the differences, I would think, um, if we talk about a coach versus a mental health professional. And part of that healing process is coming to uh, some acceptance. Absolutely. Identification, uh, being able to articulate it um, and knowing that it's resolved and leaving it there. Right. So finding the language. I think a lot of people have Mm. been just operating and hurting and Mm. suffering. Right. Um, And I I definitely feel that when people were uh, removed from their distractions of being able to run to the supermarket, go go out for drinks or go to the movies and all these distractions outside of your home, right. be it it's an apartment or a house, That's right. you're left with yourself. That's right. Um, and your thoughts. And your thoughts. You're left with yourself, your thoughts. <laughs> yes. And really, how many people checked in on you? Sure. Good point. Right? Good point. How many people were available to provide resources of a resource that you might have needed sure. um, at that time? So... Um, Definitely, you know, talking about our feelings, talking about how they manifest and how they come out now in the workforce right. um, has been a topic that a lot of people have need to process, mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. that answers your question. It does. And then I'm thinking, you know, how do we uh, leave people with options? So, right? yeah. So options, definitely, if you're talking about options to look for support. Yes. Right. Look for support, so services. services. So I would definitely say that, you know, 
the mental health landscape has changed mm-hmm. in terms of access, um, has changed in terms of the number of providers available. Sure. Um, I know if you're fortunate enough to have an employer, um, they definitely, some companies, a lot of companies offer like EAP, which is Employee Assistance Programming, you know, to provide that inner support. Um, you definitely can reach out to support groups. Um, there are a lot of support groups that are very specific if you mm-hmm. use that Google engine um, to look for a local support group. Um, and even the individual therapy is something that people um, can definitely seek out mm-hmm. in order to have that space for themselves. Absolutely. So uh, as we wrap up, uh, what would you like to leave our listeners with? Okay. Being a mom, mm-hmm. uh, post-pandemic, yep. things you do differently now, being yep. a wife, things you do differently now, yep. and being a professional, things you do differently okay. now. So what, I wanna, what I've learned and what I really hope that people learn um, post-pandemic mm. is that not everything is necessary. Um, you have choices, Right. And and I say that even if you change something as small as. Let me think of something. Um, I am not going to take. I'm not going to take four extra shifts at work. And I'm and I'm saying extra. Sure. Shifts, right. 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 Extra shift. Right. Um, and again, I, I am not analyzing anyone's economic responsibilities. Right. But what I do have to say that I firmly believe is that if you make small changes, mm. you will realize that you are not necessarily needing to be responsible as, for as much. You're not necessarily responsible for everybody and everything. Right. And that carving out a small change can increase the space for you to have time for yourself. Right. Um, I think the pandemic definitely showed us that we could do with less, right? Less time out, less time, less spending, mm-hmm. right? How, right? How much money did many of us save? Sure. Not shopping or spending mindless time in areas that would cost us, right? So how do we reinvest in ourselves? Be it time for a walk, um, talking, giving yourself permission to have support. Love it. Love it. And I've taken advantage of just about all of those choices. There you go. Right. In the pandemic, walking, physical fitness, uh, mindfulness, Mm -hmm. right? Smelling the roses while we're here, looking at the cherry blossoms as they bloom, Um, some basic gardening. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe you'll get to baking. (laughs) No. Um, You see this burn right here? This is from the toaster oven. I I was going to ask, but... (laughs) It's it's a big burn. It's from the toaster oven. So I will take you on a walk. Okay. Okay. I will order you food, but I will not cook it or bake. And of course, have some ice cream, right? Have some ice cream. <laughs> yes. But definitely we have choices um, and, and enjoy what's available to you, what's around you. Absolutely. So you heard it here first, uh, Melissa, sharing that there's choices, make small changes in your life, uh, enjoy your time, uh, be very specific about your time, and no thank you complete sentence. Don't need to go further. Thanks for listening to their Sumter About It. Before we go, show some love for your favorite podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you listen to. Stay tuned for the next episode of their Sumter About It. There's Sumter About It, a podcast from WBGO Studios. Like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or go to wbgo.org slash studios. Associate producer, Regina Wilder. Produced by Jamara Wakefield. Engineered by Corey Goldberg. Executive produced by Billy Robinson.